hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. It's Tuesday, October 31st. That's right, Halloween. Woo-hoo. This is episode 20, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing pretty good. I am so happy to almost be done ghost walks for <laughs> Halloween. Nine nights. So I do tonight, Halloween night, and that's it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So what are you going to do with all your spare time apart from collapse on the sofa with the flu? <laughs> uh, catch up on all the cleaning slash organizing slash daily domestic tours I need to do. Oh, yikes. So, the, not very exciting. Adulthood but. sounds rough, man. <laughs> Like you'd know. No, I know. I really know. I really wouldn't. <laughs> How have you been doing? You don't sound like your peak. No, no, I, I've been sick. I was sick for a few days, kind of laid up on the couch, and now I'm, I'm getting better. You know, I'm still a little bit snuffly, as you can hear, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was, it was kind of crappy, because it just, you, you say you're laid out for eh, two or three days, not doing much anything, that's you know? That's not good. No, no, not a bit. But it did give me a chance to catch up on listener mail, and since that's what this whole episode is about, maybe being sick wasn't so bad. Yeah, we had a lot of email, didn't we? We sure did, man. We asked, and our listeners delivered. I, I can't wait to get into it. Before we do, though, I have a very important question for you. What's that? Have you watched Stranger Things Season 2 yet? <laughs> I have not, but it's definitely on my list of things to do in November. Well, once you do, off the trade notes. You want to know what my biggest complaint right now is? I'm scared to ask, but what's that? No, Barb. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Let's just get this show on the road before you make some kind of filthy upside-down joke. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Ugh. That's good. Coming up after the break, tons of spooky stories from you, our listeners. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before we get going, I was listening to your spot on the CFAX Victoria This Week podcast, and you told a story on there I hadn't heard before. You actually listened to that? As your unofficial and unpaid <laughs> press agent, I listened to all your spots, ju- just like you listen to mine, right? Ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just exactly like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, moving on, what was it that you hadn't heard before? Which story? The one about you hearing a voice in your ear. Oh, right. I hadn't told you that one. If you had, I don't remember. Well, it's not really much of a story, but, you know, it, it happened. Um, I actually retold that story on the ghost tour uh, this week because we were actually in the same spot. And I said to them that this is where it happened one year ago. Um, so my one and only ghostly experience on the ghost tour uh, occurred last Halloween. Uh, we tell a story at the top of an alley, and then we go down into the alley, and there's a cross alley down there. So when we've got this big crowd of people, I tell the story, and then I book it down into the cross alley because you never know who's going to be down there. You, you're never sure what wildlife may be lurking in the shadows. Me waiting in a trash can <clears throat> like Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> or more likely people peeing from the bar around the corner. Also, so, could be me. Could, <laughs> Good point. So I'm, I like to get down there, make sure the coast is clear, and then when the group comes, I'm ready to go. So I told the story up at the top. I book it down the alley, and as I'm about halfway down that first alley into the cross alley, something in my ear says, Ian, 
very, very clearly and right up next to my ear. I turn and look, nothing there, but I'm so focused on getting down to the bottom of the alley, I don't even really clock it. I get to the bottom of the alley, I look, okay, coast is clear. I turn around and look up the alley to see that the group is heading down towards me, and that's when it, the thought kind of goes, whoa, wait, what was that? Right, because um, there's no one else here. No, there's nobody else down there. And uh, certainly, if there had been, they wouldn't have been anybody who knew my name and right. right next to my ear. So all those things combined. And the story we tell in the alley, one of the things is that people have had ghosts cough right up next to their ear. Oh. So it did kind of fit with what was going on. The difference was <laughs> it knew my name. Fun. Yeah. That's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please don't come home with me. Better, so. better you than me. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was really weird to have that that happen right next to my ear. You know, it's it's funny you say that actually because I I there's it reminds me of two things and I I think I mentioned uh one one of this one of these stories on the show already. But when I was in Honolulu about 3 years ago, mm-hmm. I was out for a walk one night and it was the last night there and it was a very still night. You know, I was walking through Waikiki and it was just very unusually quiet. I right. mean, I was it, it's always quiet there at night, but it was particularly quiet this night. I was walking down an empty street when I heard someone say in my ear, hey. Oh, wow. And I looked, and I looked up and down the street, and the only person I saw was this dude about half a block up having a smoke. Yeah, it wouldn't have been him. No, that's it. It was right there. Wow. And I went back to the uh, condo we were renting. Yeah. And got into bed. I thought, well, this noise, I'm going to sleep. And then I heard two jerks on the door. Like someone was trying the oh door. Oh my God. Yeah. Like someone had followed you home. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So I just told Nikki in the morning, she peed the bed, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have woken her up and go, hey, go check the front door. <laughs> that's right. I think there's someone there who wants to talk to you. And that's how we got divorced. <laughs> my brave hero husband. Yeah. And well, or that's why Brendan came home alone. Uh, yeah. E- that's e- either, either or. <laughs> divorced wow. by vacation. <laughs> yeah. That happens more than you'd, you'd believe. Like that? Well, no. Yeah. No. Okay. But people go on vacations because they're like, ooh, we're going to give it one last try. And then, yeah, no. I well, hate no, this that... person. <laughs> <laughs> Better that than having a kid to try and save the marriage. Well, though. good point. They, well, it's usually post-kid anyway. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, no. yeah. You want to f- figure out how much you hate someone, take them on vacation. <laughs> it's true. Go on a road trip. Even better. Yeah, yeah. And once we go to our first convention, you know, they'll, they'll find us in our hotel room, hands wrapped around <laughs> each other's throat. So what was the other story it reminded you of? Uh, again, I, I may have mentioned this on the show. I have a hard time keeping track of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but a friend of mine back home regularly hears someone saying his name, both the long and shorter versions. Oh, wow. And he works in a loud environment and he hears it inside his earplugs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's super clear then. And I, I had a chat with him last time I was there and he still hears it. So this huh. has been going on for a few years now. Weird. I can't remember the book at the moment, but I recall someone writing that voice is how non-physical entities find us. How do you mean? Uh, like them shouting your name is a kind of echolocation, and if you respond, then it helps them hone in on you. Yeah, for what? Christ, I don't know. I'm not on their fucking mailing list. <laughs> it was like an old book on channeling, so it could be complete bullshit. Right. Although, now that I think about it, on a recent episode of Into the Fray, there was a guest talking about her family's encounters with fey folk, and she said her grandmother taught her not to respond to those voices as well, so... Oh. Maybe it's not bullshit. So, fae folk like fairies? Exactly, yeah. Okay. I've been thinking we should do an episode on fairies in the future. You mentioned that at lunch the other day, and I love the idea except for the title. What was wrong with the title? 
You wanted to call the episode Not That Kind of Fairy? <laughs> well, I wanted to make sure everyone understood. No, Vito, no. <laughs> not happening. You're such a spoil sport. Is that responsible adult in the language of your people? <laughs> I declined to answer on the grounds that it may incriminate me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, hey, how about we get on to our first listener story, because I'm looking forward to those. Yes, yes. Uh, the first one comes from Melanie, to whom you sent what appeared to be a wholly incoherent reply. Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of looked back at that and I have no idea what I was trying no. to say, but it didn't make any sense. No, and you know, I... I it was like the, the uh, it sent part of the response and not all of it. Oh, okay. So, because I, I looked at it and I'm like, I said more than that, but it looks like it got the first line and a half and then went, so I don't know. I, I looked at the, the inbox and I thought, <laughs> what the f*** was he saying? What? Jesus, did he, did he just... Did he f- trip and fall on his phone? <laughs> Poor well, Melanie tells us this lovely long story and she gets back, essentially. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> Frosty narrative. So, yeah, I am, um, because he's saying pretty good. Like, I at least. Oh, no, yeah, no, you hear yeah. But no, you're right. It, I look back at it. I'm like, what's he talking about? I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's not good. <laughs> anyway, sorry, please. Yeah, yeah. So, Melanie wrote in to tell us the moment that changed her perception of the world pretty much forever. Mm-hmm. She was in grade two or three and describes herself as your typical books and Barbies kind of eight year old or thereabouts. Uh, her family was renting what she calls a nondescript apartment in a nondescript small town in northern BC, and each of the kids had their own bedroom. Her room was scattered with completed school assignments, books, toys, like, like a lot of kids, I guess. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. At points of my childhood, actually, I, I seem to recall having a difficult time finding the floor. <laughs> that also checks out. <laughs> so Melanie's favorite place to read was kneeling in front of her twin bed with her elbows propped up on the edge. One day she was reading, and for whatever reason, she took a break to look behind her, and that's when she saw one of her notebooks floating just behind her and to the left. What? Yeah. So what happened? As soon as she laid eyes on it, the notebook dropped to the floor. She wasn't frightened uh, at all. She was curious. Mm-hmm. So she picked up the notebook, held it up to about the same height she'd seen it floating, and dropped it to see how it landed. And it landed in exactly the same way it had been when she'd picked it up. So she repeated the experiment again and again until she was satisfied that if the notebook had been floating, it would have fallen the way she had seen. And from then on, she was, in her words, a fiend for anything supernatural, paranormal, or related to parapsychology. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned in my reply to her, that's the thing that seems to be a unifying factor in genuine paranormal experiences. You're hooked, and you have to know more. Sometimes, you know, at great cost. Sometimes you write a book, and certain friends distance themselves from you. <laughs> and then you double down and start a podcast about <laughs> <Exactly>. it. Exactly. <laughs> you know what that sounds like to me? What's that? It sounds like she was maybe doing it subconsciously, and as soon as she became aware, she stopped being able to do it. Another friend told me a, a story like that with her kid. She was trying to get you know dinner ready, and her little girl was in the living room changing the channels on the TV. So she went in and said, stop it. You're driving me crazy. All I'm hearing is the channels changing. Uh, her daughter kept doing it, so she went back and took the remote control away from her. Right. Put it on the counter beside her in the kitchen, went back to cooking, and within a couple minutes heard the channels changing again. She walked in there to see what was going on. She figured her daughter was standing at the TV changing the channels, and she found her daughter standing there just using her thumb as an imaginary channel changer, and the TV was changing channels. No. Yeah, and her theory behind this was that her kid didn't know any better. Right. Her kid didn't know that that she wasn't able to do that. And so she was doing it. Holy shit. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool That's story. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. Unconscious psychokinesis, I think you'd call that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's a really interesting idea. And, and there have been a few studies on the subject, but uh, nothing the scientific communities accepted you know, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Mostly because they have questions about the control measures, uh, which I guess is fair. But Well, there was Yuri Geller and the whole spoon bending thing. Uh, but he was never able to reproduce that under laboratory conditions. 
At least as far as I know. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was either, which hasn't stopped him from getting a lot of press lately, but that's another <laughs> conversation. You are telling me about one of the remote viewers who researched a while back. He could supposedly do it, but he, he had a weird name too, didn't he? Weirder than Yuri Geller? <laughs> Ingo Swan. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, he was supposed to be the most gifted of all the remote viewers who worked on that program. Hmm. Supposedly, he could not only view remote objects or inside secure spaces, but he could affect the function of a magnetometer, whatever that is, uh, without ever coming near it. Nothing so dramatic as Melanie's example, but but I wonder if something like, or the TV thing, but I wonder if something like that did come from her. Uh, it was Maybe it was only possible to do it subconsciously or unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mechanism for that, something like that, or rather, is buried so far in her mind that the general noise of consciousness is more than enough to keep you from manipulating it. Well, and it's interesting because uh, the same um, event I was at where the woman told the remote control story, Yep. one of the people who was sort of an expert in this said that that's probably where poltergeists come from. It's right. the unconscious, um, all, and it's usually when there's young people present in the house, Yep. it's that raging hormone thing, and all of that energy has to go somewhere, and so it ends up manifesting in the... Is it wrong? I'm just imagining a bunch of ghosts humping things. Oh, my God. <laughs> like horny dogs? Y- yes, it's wrong. Okay. Uh, you ass, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but, you know, it also reminds me of something I once heard from a woman I worked with. Oh, yeah. Um, she claimed that sometimes she'd find herself sort of half listening to someone's conversation in a restaurant or coffee shop, and she'd understand what was being said. But as soon as she actually tried to pay attention to the conversation, she realized it was in a whole other language when she didn't speak at all. Oh, no way. I, you know, that, um, what do they call that? That's uh, xenoglossy, I think. Uh, xenoglossy is when you can speak a language you don't know. I'm not sure if that would apply in this case because she was only hearing it, but, I mean, it's as close as we got, right? Right. Well, you know, in a similar vein, when I'm really high, and, and <laughs> for the record, listeners, this is not something that happens often. I, I talk about it more than it actually happens. Uh-huh. I really only use pot to help me fend off anxiety and depression. Isn't pot like a depressive? Doesn't it make you depressed? That seems like a weird choice. It's actually different for everyone. Um, And I I would never tell anyone that pot is a cure-all for anything, but I've found that a light sativa or hybrid works to bring me up enough that I can deal with whatever's bothering me. Hmm. So back when I was working my old job and hated the morning because I hated my job, (laughs) I would use a really mild sativa spray tincture after waking up to bring me up to a place where I could actually start getting ready. Oh, interesting. Now I know. Anyway, you were saying? Right. So when I was first figuring out dosages and such, I would accidentally get... Way too high. <laughs> Way too high. And when that happened, I would hear music I'd never heard before. Oh, wow. Songs that don't exist anywhere except my mind. Right. But when I tried to pay attention to the music, it would turn into something I already knew. And of course, you know, I'm not musical in the slightest. No, you are not. But when I'm high, my mind creates these lovely melodies that I can only just hear. But again, I think that points to a subconscious thing uh, of being obscured by conscious activity. Yeah, I mean, that actually also applies, uh, kind of applies to our next email from Jay. Jay is a single father of three, and hats off to you, Jay, because I'm a father myself, and just raising one kid in a two-parent house was hard enough. Uh, Three on your own? Yeah, I don't think I'd be doing that. I'd probably just sail away and leave the children... (laughs) Leave the children on the dock. I'm imagining you in like a, a paper tricorner hat and a yes, cardboard sword that is on the exactly. deck of a little, little <laughs> dinghy. <laughs> anyway, according to Jay, he and his ex-wife divorced a few years ago, and of course, his parenting duties suddenly increased a lot, and he found himself struggling to keep up. Every now and then, if he had the kids at a crowded event, he'd find himself panicking because one of the kids was missing, except none of them were. All three kids were, were right there with him, but he would be convinced he was missing a fourth. He initially wrote this off to being overwhelmed by the feeling of responsibility involved in looking after three kids, which, like I said, could not have been easy. No kidding. 
But the feeling would come back from time to time. And recently, he had a dream where he had to rescue his young daughter from a locked room. Except this daughter was not one he knew in real life. He said the dream was incredibly vivid, which was unusual for him. And he wondered if this mystery daughter was the kid he keeps worrying about losing. He asked if we'd heard of anything else like this. And to be honest, Jay, I have not. But you wrote back to him with some theories, didn't you? I did, yeah. So I, I actually approached a, f- a friend of mine who has a couple a couple daughters, and I asked him if he'd ever experienced this, and he never had. Right. So I thought if, you know, if first someone would know. I mean, he's not a single dad, but still, right. having right. to corral two kids seems like a real pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> because my first theory was that the phenomenon was rooted in psychology. Right. And uh, I, I mean, I'll let you take that one because you have more background than I do, uh, by which I mean I have zero background. <laughs> aside from needing therapy, you mean? Yeah, aside from that. Aside from that. Well, uh, your theory was that it was a panic response, that he was laboring under so much responsibility his mind was overcompensating to help make sure he had all his kids accounted for. Um, the second idea, which is a lot more, well, you could call it, woo, and I think that's a good place to start, was the multiverse thing. Why don't you explain that? Sure. I told Jay that a while back while I was spacing out, a vision came to me, and that vision was a person standing atop a diamond. Right. Uh, each face of the diamond. You know, I should try meditation because I feel like if just spacing out gets me this far, imagine what meditation would do. Medi- meditation and getting high at the same time. Ooh. Ooh. Time travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but anyway, so e- each face of the diamond in my vision was a different vision, uh, pardon me, different version of that person's life. Right. All of them controlled by the same consciousness, but fragmented so as to manage each individual life without being aware of the others. Sometimes I wonder if that's where deja vu comes from. If multiverse theory holds any water, maybe there are fixed points in each life common to several or maybe even all of them. And that's why these moments seem familiar. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, The other thing I thought of actually when I read his email, uh, the first thing I thought of actually was that um, he's going to have another kid. That there is oh there is a fourth child out there somewhere in his future. And it's this kid's way of sort of getting through to him. Like you kind of like a don't forget about me and don't count me out. And, right. and, and that maybe there is going to be a fourth kid. I mean, I don't know if Jay wants to hear that or not. Uh, but uh, there may be a fourth daughter who's just waiting to show up because she's already picked him. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, that had not occurred to me because what I told him was, uh, you know, I had sort of a similarly woo idea. And I recognize that it's completely woo because this is the ghost story, guys, and not <laughs> Brennan and science the shit out of your emails. Although I did have a weird experience with my own child. Really? Where that, yeah, he was maybe three. He was very verbal. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, my wife and I were in the car. We're going somewhere. He was in his car seat. And we were stopped at a stop sign or a red light or something. And out of the blue, he says to us, I'm glad I picked you as my mommy and daddy. Oh, wow. And I looked at my wife and we were kind of like, what the we hell? left him on the corner. Yeah. And I said back to him, what do you mean, buddy? And he goes... I could have picked someone else, but you needed me and I needed you. Oh. He's three. And then he started asking to go to McDonald's. Like, it was like, <laughs> no, we, yellow There's M. The, that was his thing. Yeah, yellow M, yellow M. Really? Oh, yeah. So he, so he got all this, this Deepak Chopra shit, and yeah. then he went right back to yellow M. Yep. And he never mentioned it again. Wow. But that's not an unusual story. I've heard that, you know, from other people, uh, where their kids have said these crazy uh, things that you're like, <laughs> you don't know, you don't I know I can that. see inside your chest yeah. cavity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. So the Navajo believed that if you stabbed a man, the steam escaping from his body was his soul. Please stop. But no, it was really odd. So maybe that's why I put those two together. That yeah, no, there I mean, is that's sort a, of a, 
it's a great theory. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as far as any of these things go. Well, absolutely. I mean, my, my sort of, like I said, you know, equally woo theory was that there's maybe another version of Jay on a, a different face of the diamond yeah. that has four kids yeah. instead of three. And it's and, crossing over a bit. Well, yeah, because he's having to be so hyper vigilant right. about taking care of the three kids here and now that his mental antenna is so sensitive it's picking up transmissions from the other face of the diamond. Ooh. And maybe that's why he's dreaming about the daughter being locked away somewhere. Yeah. It's his subconscious mind trying to make sense of the signals it's picking up. I seriously Using images would, he can understand. I would seriously put all three kids on leash. <laughs> One leash. I hate when people do that. They put their kids on leash. You know what? I was an out-of-control child. I would, like, run into traffic, and my mom had me on a leash. And I asked her about that later on, and she said her response was, would you rather him be on a leash or under a truck? So, fair enough. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I get it. It looks terrible. But, honestly, if you have a, a runner, <laughs> as some kids are, you got to do what you got to do to keep them safe. I just feel like if your kids are running away from you into the sweet embrace of death, you should reevaluate <laughs> your parenting style. And that's why you have cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So next we're going to go from inside our head, or, or Jay's at least, all the way over to Lancashire in England with stories from Rachel GW. Uh, these stories are particularly interesting because Rachel describes her and her husband as atheist types who mm. are definitely not into things like sage and crystals. <laughs> yep. Yet these experiences keep challenging their stance on nothing happening when you die. Right. And that was my stance for getting into this myself, uh, Rachel, so I sympathize with you guys. And we actually, we had a great correspondence at one point. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it came up with like, you. there are 69 new messages in the mailbox. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> What's Brennan doing? He's sick on the couch. That's what he's doing. He's just happy someone's talking to him. <laughs> She describes her and her husband's home as a mid-terrace, two-story red brick cottage built in 1863, and pretty much indistinguishable from any other home on the street, right. like every house in England. <laughs> uh, they moved there in May of this year from the other side of the UK, and immediately it took to the place. They thought it was warm and welcoming, and they, she said it had zero creep factor. Nice. So the pair went on a vacation for a week, returning at the beginning of September, and when they got back, there was a much different feeling in the home. Hmm. Rachel didn't want to mention it to her husband, but it just felt... Not great. Yeah. Um, before the vacation, she would quite happily work from home till 10 or 11 at night with all the lights off until her husband got home from work. Right. Uh, but now there was a heavy feeling in the air and she felt unsafe, like there was an intruder in the house. Oh, that is awful. Yeah. Uh, to make things worse for Rachel, she would sometimes look down the steep staircase beside her office and she was certain the darkness on the ground floor was thicker than it should be. Mm. Yeah. Like there was a shape watching her. It was late September when she wrote to us and the feeling had finally lifted the week before. Uh, when it did, her husband said to her, that weird feeling is gone. And she realized she wasn't the only one who'd been sensing that things were kind of strange. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and the day after that, they got some mail addressed to the family of the previous occupant, an elderly widower, and get this. It was a collection agency chasing unpaid debt of a dead man. <laughs> What's that line? You ever, you, wanna, you ever feel like no one cares about you? Uh, try missing a couple credit card payments. <laughs> exactly. I really like the way Rachel put it. Pennywise be damned, and nothing is scarier than a credit card <laughs> <Yeah>. company. <laughs> so she mentioned this mail to one of her neighbors who was close to the previous occupant, and he let slip that the last occupant was a widower because his wife died in the house. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She fell down the stairs not long after they moved in, the day before Christmas Eve, no less. Man, God was in full kiss of death mode that day. <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> in the movie Kiss of Death, Richard Widmark he ties an old woman to her wheelchair with an electrical cord and pushes her down the stairs. Good God, why? Look, this episode's going to be long enough without me recapping the plot to 70-year-old movies. <laughs> That's a good point. So the poor old lady falls down the stairs. Right. So Rachel discovered that the woman's husband left after his wife passed. He moved, away, moved out of the house. Right. And then he died within a week or so of their vacation. 
Like uh, just before they went on vacation. So you're thinking the feeling of an intruder was his spirit coming back to the home because it was a familiar place. That is an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, especially since her perception of him was solid darkness, which we've always attributed solely to shadow people. Well, and that's what I was thinking. And so do you think he moved on after he discovered new people in his home? I sure hope so. Yeah. Because it, it was awful to think of him roaming around alone trying to find his place in the world. Ugh, no kidding. Now I'm sad. I thought that might be the case, and that's why I brought these. <gasps> Gummy bears! Gummy bears. <laughs> Gummy bears make everything better. <laughs> You dig in, I'm going to mute your mic, and I will tell another of Rachel's stories. Done deal. I checked back in with her last week, and the house has been quiet ever since she sent that message. Uh, so uh, whatever the case, the presence has moved on to greener pastures. But she did tell me about a creepy experience from her teens. When she was a kid, her family moved around a lot, and this particular story begins after they arrived in Cornwall, which is in the southwest of England, for those of you who don't know. Rachel was 14, their home was a 15th century worker's cottage in a terrace of four. Uh, for our North American listeners, terraced homes were what the English call townhouses. According to Rachel, the home was lovely with incredible views of Marizion. Of course, it's hard to get a bad view of Marizion, which is right on the coast and about 15 minutes from where Nikki and I got married in Penzance. As in Pirates of? Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Every single person <laughs> I mentioned that they got married in Penzance, he says, like the pirates? Well. Yes, like the f***ing pirates. Well, it shows you're hanging out with cultured people, so pirates. <laughs> it, you, clearly you have not been to Penzance. Uh, no, I have not. Yeah. Anyways, Rachel says she quite liked her room. It was spacious, had thick walls and looked out over the sea, so you wouldn't expect anything dark to turn up there. Mm -hmm. But it did. A few months in, the dark started getting thicker, and she would wake up in the night to find herself staring into the corner of her room next to the bed. Mm. At first she thought it was some kind of night terror, but it kept happening. So she moved her bed in such a way that she wouldn't have to see that corner when she woke up. That made it worse. And over the next few years, it just progressed. At first she would feel someone standing next to her, and eventually she would feel someone sitting on the bed. Oh no. Yeah. When she was able, she would sleep at a friend's house, and when she wasn't, she made sure to sleep facing the wall so she wouldn't see anything by accident. Wow. And she described the feeling as just horrible and menacing. That's awful. And and this went on for years? It did, yeah. It started when she was 14. She essentially did her best to become nocturnal, which, I mean, she says is easier when you're a kid. Or when you're you. Excellent point. <laughs> Anyways, when she was 17, she started getting ready to leave for university and escape all this darkness, so she decided she could endure it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Then one night she was working at her desk, which she'd moved to give herself a view of the sea, when she felt someone behind her. It was pitch black outside and inside. The only light was coming from the screen. And she just somehow knew that whatever was in the darkness behind her was huge and angry, and it was then she felt what can only be described as a massive hand on her neck. Oh my god. Yes. She was afraid to move, but she was also afraid to let her screen go dormant, because for some reason she felt as though if it did... Reflected in that screen would have been a stocky old man with huge worn hands pushing her head to the side. Whoa, what did she do? She held still and waited for the feeling to pass. She said it felt like a decade, but it was probably only a few seconds. Uh, either way, she didn't sleep that night, and uh, she left the house shortly thereafter. She says after moving away, it was like she forced it out of her memory because she came home a few times on break and stayed in that room without any problems. Well, how did she remember it now? Well, apparently it all came back during a phone call from her mother, who had decided to turn Rachel's room into a second bedroom. Right. Wasn't long after she'd done that, she started waking up to the same darkness, staring at the same corner, and a call to Rachel confirmed she had experienced exactly the same things. Hmm. So her mother promptly moved out of the room and made that a guest bedroom. I feel like that says a lot about your feelings towards guests. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> I guess you could just lie to them. Oh, you dreamed about a demon again? Weird. That's not something experienced by everyone who stays in that room. No, sir. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Uh, you know, actually, a dream would have been one thing, but this was a lot worse. Oh, no. Yeah. One night, a visiting relative was staying in that room, 
and started shouting loud enough to wake the whole house. Oh. According to her, something had woken her up, and when she turned on her lamp, she saw the water glass next to her fly off the nightstand and crash into the nearest wall. That is so not okay. No, not surprisingly, last time she stayed there. <laughs> so what you're saying is if I wanted to get rid of an unwanted house guest, I should stick them in the haunted room. I'm never staying at your house. You are never invited. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes that easy. Yeah, it sure does. Okay, so we have a couple more stories from Rachel, but we're going to come back to those. Next up, we have a submission from Lori, who you might remember writing in a little while ago. She was one who used to live up at Royal Roads, right? Yeah, that's her. For listeners who don't know, Royal Roads University is a small campus located just outside of Victoria in the town of Colwood. If you've ever seen the first few X-Men movies, you've actually seen Royal Roads. Hatley Castle, which is by far their coolest mm-hmm. building, is plays the X-Mansion. It was also the X-Mansion in Deadpool, and they just shot scenes for Deadpool 2 there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you liked Deadpool, didn't you? I did. Weird. Why? I, I don't know. It just You don't like it? I was okay. It was okay. I, I thought I, it was hilarious. I thought it was the first genuine um, movie with like a, sort of an anti-hero right. uh, that, I, that I've ever seen. Huh. It was so real. It was I, hilarious. I don't know. I just, I sort of imagined he was more like a remains of the day kind of guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. Deadpool just surprised me. It's great. Wow. No, yeah, I We'll have to it. go see number two when it comes out. I would love that. I thought it was brilliant. Um, what the hell? Right. That's also where you took your degree, right? <laughs> it Royal is. Yeah, I worked there for a little bit afterwards as well uh, as associate faculty helping out new students online, and I heard a ton of stories, many of which are in my book, Victoria's <laughs> Most Haunted in Stores Now. Which is a fine book, but pales in comparison to A Strange Little Place, available everywhere <laughs> fine books are sold. Yeah, well, my book is on the BC bestseller list again this week, so haha. My mom says I'm special. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Before it was a university, it was a military college, and that's what brought Lori and her family there. The house they lived in was originally the head herdsman's house, and it also say served, that three times. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it also served as storage for the dairy before actually uh, before eventually become known as Building Sixteen. That sounds ominous. That's kind of what's it, what's that Megadeth song? Is it Hangar Hangar Eighteen? Why am I asking you? I, I really have no idea. Uh, that's fine. Just you tell and me. your black goat Sabbath crap. I don't know what you're talking about. That was the most dad thing you've ever said. I know. I f- that I'm embracing it now. That you ever seen that? Christmas? You and your kids and that <laughs> internet nonsense. You ever seen that movie Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser? With I the f- love that movie. Yeah, that's yeah. that. Just you climbing out of the the fallout shelter thirty years in the future. Like, what's happening? Is, what is this devilry? Is, is that movie available on the Netflix <laughs> <laughs> that you kids are going on about? <laughs> Anyways, continue. Anyways. Lori says uh, it was the opposite. She said it was a lovely home, bigger on the inside than it appears on the outside, and really very welcoming. In fact, she grew up in a military household with all the moving that comes with it. But for some reason, Royal Roads feels like home. But that doesn't mean it wasn't haunted. Lori's husband was tasked to a naval ship after they were married, so it was quite often that just her and her daughters were alone in the house. Lori began to hear soft footsteps in the long upstairs hall, often followed by what sounded like the swishing of a skirt. She never brought it up to her daughters, uh, but she did discuss it with her husband, who was very much a skeptic and who believed there was nothing unusual happening. Then, one evening while her husband was away, her eldest daughter woke her up. She had heard footsteps in the upstairs hallway, and when she went to check on the noise, she saw a strange woman wearing a skirt standing there looking back at her. The woman disappeared almost immediately, and after she'd gone, the hallway was freezing. Yikes. Nine, ten, never sleep again. (laughs) Right? According to Lori, this freezing sensation wasn't uncommon in the house, but there were certain times when there was a special quality to the cold, something that would make the cat hiss and stare at something only it could see. In those moments, the cat couldn't be coaxed out into the hallway at all, and even once it warmed up, she would only enter slowly and warily. 
So is that it? Oh, no. We've got two more things left. <laughs> of course. One of which is far, far worse. Oh, God. We'll start with the less worse one, uh, and that concerns the section of the forest at the end of the path leading away from their house. Coincidentally, I mentioned the same place in my book. I remember that. You said it was profoundly spiritual, but you weren't sure exactly <laughs> what had happened there or why it felt that way. Is that how a Remains of the Day fan would uh, write Profoundly that? spiritual. Profoundly. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, so I really to- wanted to make a Jane Austen joke, but I literally know nothing about Jane Austen. <laughs> I, was, I, I really, really I, I've read Sense and Sense. I was just going to yell out, Mr. Darcy. That's that's all I know. <laughs> well, Kira Knightley. Wait, wait. Thank, <laughs> thanks for trying. Uh, yeah. So according to Lori, her and her family would regularly walk all over the railroad's grounds, except for that particular patch of forest. She said she found it dark and unnerving, which pretty much lines up with my own experience. So I, I don't know the exact place you're talking about, but I think we've talked before on the show about how little I like the woods around Royal Roads. Mm-hmm. And my friend who used to jog up there would frequently find herself disoriented. Hmm. Uh, apparently every other forested area she would jog in was fine, but for some reason Royal Roads would produce this creeping confusion. And I kind of wonder if it was the same area. Well, it could be. Do you know kind of where it was? No, not at all. Uh, but I do know that the gated road through the forest, which connects Royal Roads to the Belmont Park military neighborhood, is bad news at nighttime. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I'm not a super psychically sensitive person, but on some nights, the area just beyond the gate on the Belmont Park side practically vibrates. Yeah. And that whole area is under, like, some kind of cloud. I mean, actually, we drove up there one night, you and I. Yeah, 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 and it, it was creepy. It's yeah. got a really weird kind of watcher in the woods feel to it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not evil, it's just other. Yeah, yeah, and so some of that might make sense after this next story. All right, go on. So the third experience Laurie had while living on the railroad's grounds was hearing a strange howling scream that sounded part human and part animal coming from somewhere out in the dark. Jesus. Yeah. Did she ever see anything? Well, she did. Uh, every night this happened, which wasn't many, she would see what looked like a black dog with glowing red eyes standing in her yard just at the edge of the light. And the next day, she says, a deer would always be found mauled. That sounds like black shuck. That's the ghost dog or demon dog from English folklore, isn't it? It is, yeah. I don't know a lot about it apart from the name, to be honest, but it's interesting to find a connection to such a distinctly English legend in a region that gets so hard for all things British. (laughs) Or maybe it's not just English again, I don't know. Hey, Luke, if you're out there, you're our resident folklore expert. Is Black Shuck and or demon dogs in general just a British thing? Let us know. The Count of the Baskervilles. There you go. Whatever it is, I hope I never see it, that's for sure. you and me both. Uh, is that it from Laurie and Royal Roads? Uh, almost. Uh, one last thing. While she lived there, she happened to strike up a conversation with the young family that lived in what's called the gatehouse. They told her they had a real problem with things going missing in their house. Just little stuff. But it happened all the time, and it would reappear in the most bizarre places. Imagine your house keys going missing and turning up in the bottom of a full cereal box. That actually happened to them. You know, I've heard of that before. It, it's never happened to me, but there's a house back in Revelstoke where the residents all talk about that. Things going missing the second you turn your back and then reappearing days, weeks, or even months later. Hmm. Uh, I think they call it disappearing object phenomenon. And of course, you know, there's no good explanation for it. Um, that's actually happening to us right now. Really? Yeah. The uh, TV remote for the big TV in the bedroom? Yeah. It's just gone. It's never left the bedroom. It's nowhere in the bedroom. We don't know where it is. Bizarre. Yeah. And there's you don't have a cleaner or anything? Wow. Yeah. So I don't okay. know what's going on. It's um, been a weird couple of days, man. Yes, it has. Uh, it wasn't limited to disappearing objects, though. Open windows would be found closed and vice versa. And sometimes they would find the whole roll of toilet paper and spooled. That kind of makes me wonder if some sort of animal had been sneaking in when the window was open or mm-hmm. figured out how to open it from outside, like a raccoon maybe? Yeah, but I mean, raccoons usually leave a hell of a mess. They don't care what they do. True. But I see where you're coming from, but I don't think it works in this case. 
whatever, the uh, young family of the gatehouse were never bothered by it. They found it all kind of amusing. Eventually, they moved, and Lori never had a chance to ask the new residents if they had any issues. Huh. Well, those are great. Thank you again for sending them in, Lori. And mm-hmm. I don't think I said thank you to Ray, Melanie, so thank you, yeah, Melanie. Yeah. Uh, next, we're going to take a little break and then share more of our incredible listener stories and announce the winner of our uh, wet t-shirt contest. No. Which... Our t-shirt contest. Did I actually say it? Yeah. You I didn't even mean to say it. Okay, it's because you're just designed as a perv. <laughs> okay. The winner <laughs> of our t-shirt contest. Did I, I was okay that time? Yeah. Okay. You're listening... <laughs> You're listening to the Ghost Story Guys Ultra Mega Halloween Special, and I'm very sorry. We'll be right back. This episode of the Ghost Story Guys has been brought to you in part by CoffeeCrew.com. Welcome back. We're the Ghost Story Guys, and this is our ultra mega Halloween special. Um, but before we get into the good stuff, mm-hmm. can you tell me why it's called the ultra mega Halloween special? Uh, the short version okay. is that because this will be our longest episode to date. Nice. Uh, the long answer for our listeners is. Usually we try to edit the episodes to keep them well below the one hour mark. Uh, Ian and I assume everyone else's attention span is as short as ours. <laughs> uh, but we wanted the Halloween episode to be special and we got so many great stories, we thought, ah, just let it run as long as it needs to. Yeah, I know. We got some awesome stories. Uh, now, I get all that, but why Ultra Mega? Oh, uh, because I've been listening to a lot of Power Man 5000 and Ultra Mega is a great song. That's the name of the song, Ultra Mega. Yes, sir. It was a single released on the Dracula 2000 soundtrack. I don't think it was ever on one of their <laughs> albums. That was a surprisingly good soundtrack, actually. It had the System of a Down cover of Metro and Avoid the Light by Pantera, which is one of my favorite Pantera songs. Uh, Okay, that just raises more questions. So, Power Man 5000 wrote a song Mm -hmm. called Ultra Mega Mm -hmm. for the soundtrack to Dracula 2000. Please don't make a math-based dad joke. (laughs) Just don't do it. I'm way too confused to make any kind of joke. What is a Dracula 2000? It was a horror movie released in 2000 about Dracula trying to kill Van Helsing's descendants in the modern day. The soundtrack is literally the only memorable thing about it. Oh, that and actually two other things. It was directed by Patrick Lussier, who also made Drive Angry, which everyone should watch. Okay. Uh, And I think it was the first starring role for Gerard Butler. There was also Dracula 3000, which was unrelated. Of course it was, for maximum confusion. Was that Dracula in space or something? Oh, you've seen it. Oh, God. You've got to be kidding. Oh, no. No, Dracula is in space. Please, for no. reasons which are lost to my memory. Oh, my God. All I remember is it starred Casper Van Dien from Starship Troopers. Right. And it ends with the spaceship on an irreversible course directly for the heart of a sun as tiny Zeus Lister says, <laughs> bingo, must be the front row, and throws a sex robot over his shoulder. You made that up. I did not, and I will prove it now using the technology of YouTube. Folks, give us a second here. Why does that exist? (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine. 
Okay, better question. Why did you watch it? I was 21, single, and had a lot of spare time. <laughs> so this is what you do with your spare time? Yes. <laughs> In fairness, you asked. Oh, and I so regret that now, <laughs> as I usually do. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the stories, because we got to get away from this topic. <laughs> Who's next? Uh, you know, actually, I was so bored being sick, I ended up watching the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> I was so bored. and I, I would never be that bored. I turned Just, it off after an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> How long is the movie? Two hours and 15 minutes. Oh. You know, I, I don't hate Johnny Depp. But well, he's riding that franchise into the mud. I mean, that's, oh, it's just man. going. He just keeps on that ATV going deeper and deeper into the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. Yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah. on with the stories. Luke. Uh, so Luke, yeah, and Luke's been incredibly helpful with folklore yeah, research. Really we mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Luke works in film, and his story comes to us from the set of the first low-budget for, uh, horror film he worked on, which was about ten years ago. The production was given access to the abandoned Ormskirk Hospice on, no kidding, Dark Lane, <laughs> which Luke says was a major coup for horror production. A creepy abandoned hospital on Dark Lane? I mean, that's you've got your title right there. <laughs> from the sound of it, it wasn't abandoned like Tronquille with people still hanging around. It was full-on sealed up, and when the owner brought them into the site, they had to onboard a fire exit to get in. Oh, wow. The dark, creepy nature of the place got into their heads a bit, and Luke does offer that up as an explanation for some of the things they experienced. Uh, the first thing was what sounded like a mechanical buzzing sound. First heard when they moved through an abandoned ward into an almost pitch black office. Mm-hmm. There was no electricity on at this point, so it couldn't have been that. But as they moved further into the building, the buzzing got louder. Uh-oh. Turns out it was a hive of some description, sandwiched between a window and the board sealing it oh, up. Oh, no. Yes. As Luke says, they bravely abandoned the location until that was done. <laughs> uh, and then when they came back, the real weirdness started. Oh, like what? So early on, they shot a Ouija board scene, right. uh, which the superstitious makeup and wardrobe crew were apparently not very happy with. And afterward, they ended up with scratches appearing on them. Oh. Although Luke says he wouldn't write off hysteria and jump into conclusions on that case. Right. Something less easy to explain was what the actors heard at night. So most of the cast and crew slept on set. They slept in the creepy old hospital. Oh, that must have been good for their lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Mesotheliacious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so all the actors had slept together in one particular ward. And when they were alone, could hear the sound of laughter coming from the corridor outside. And this really freaked them out. Yeah. And Luke has a great line. He says, actors are somewhere between cats and unstable TNT on a startle factor scale. <laughs> I love that. It's funny and accurate. Yeah. Maybe we should get uh, Luke to write for us. <laughs> <laughs> that would make my life easier. That's for sure. <laughs> I had finally got to a point where the production had a meeting and Luke showed it everyone down, telling them it was just air in the pipes. Wow. And was it? Oh, he doesn't know. <laughs> but he figures the shouting went a long way towards convincing me he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, I could it's see It's all that. about how you present yep, yourself, man. Yeah, that's true. I, there is a particular hotel. I would just walk in, pretend to be a guest, grab a free coffee from the lobby and leave. Well, that's true. I mean, they tell you, you know, if you got to go to the bathroom in a city where they charge you to go to the bathroom, just walk in, head straight for the bathroom. No one, you know, if you walk in all timid and be like, oh, is it going to use your bathroom? No. But yeah. You just walk in and do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell you, pro tip, I have, okay, I do not do this. But I have heard <laughs> it is possible to walk into a Holiday Inn Express carrying a newspaper in the morning and partake of their breakfast. I was going to say, and score-free breakfast. And then- I would give that a whirl. Yeah. No, I, my friend has tried this and told me it, it works. I, I could see it. He's handsome, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting off your mic. <laughs> You're in mic jail. You have the power. <laughs> <laughs> I can say whatever I want now. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, anyways, in light of the actors, shall we say, tender constitutions, <laughs> there were a couple incidents kept from them. Uh, one of them happened to the director when he was out on the fire escape enjoying a cigarette, and he heard a soft voice whisper, hello, directly in his ear. 
Oh, wow. So kind of like the voices we discussed earlier. Absolutely. Huh. Uh, coincidentally, actually, and I forgot to mention it earlier, a friend of mine here in Victoria told me on Friday he experienced the same thing in his old apartment. Hmm. It's an old house in James Bay, just down the road from our place. Right. And he would frequently hear someone saying, hello, in his ear. He had one other thing that happened, which I was going to save till later, but I'll, I'll forget because yep. I do that. Yeah. He was laying in bed one night when he felt someone crawling down his body. Ah. And then the TV turned on. Oh, wow. Like almost as if they were going towards exactly. the TV. The TV was at the foot of his bed. It worked its way down his body and then the television turned on. Wow. Yeah. That would be kind of cool to have that sort of connection. Like to know where like it traveled from the bed to the TV. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly verifies it. Yeah. Because he's, sure. told, he's told me before about in other places he's lived having the experience of someone kind of feeling like someone was, was close to him or creeping like right. creeping around him. But this is the first really veridical thing where there's been a, like a, a physical experience connected to that. Right. An external right. physical experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Cool. Who knows, yeah. Wow. Getting back to Luke and the film crew, uh, the other standout happened to Luke himself. He was sleeping in the hospice too, though in the ward they had entered through. He, he calls himself the guard dog. Right. The room was a fair size and echoed quite a bit. So whatever sounds were produced, you heard a few times. Except for the sound he heard one night when he went to bed. Right. It had been a really long day of shooting, and he was exhausted by the time he flopped down to sleep. As he was settling in, he heard from an empty corner of the room what he describes as a big, overdramatic sigh that did not echo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So definitely something in there. I mean, even if the Ouija board thing wasn't legitimate, there's enough there where you could reasonably say it was haunted. It sure sounds like it, yeah. And what was the name of the movie? Is it something we can watch? Unfortunately not, no. Luke says three quarters of the money fell through partway through production, so I don't believe it was ever finished. <sighs> Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame though. I mean, film and TV stuff is so uncertain. I am risk averse, so that is never something I'm going to be doing because I'm too scared of not having a job. <laughs> yeah. You did the film extra thing though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But I mean, it's a lot of sitting around. Um, they feed you pretty crappy food, but I can think of better things to do in 12 hours. 12 hours? Oh yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. That's the same reason I skipped doing the whole audience member thing when I was in LA. You can get into Kimmel shows like that if you're willing to walk in line and probably wait in line. Yeah. that noise. Yeah, no, for sure. So thanks again to Luke for sharing that with us. I really hope we'll hear more from him. I sure hope so, yeah. Who's next? Rachel from Battle Creek sent in a couple of personal stories. Great. Any opportunity to mention Battle Creek, which is the coolest town name ever, I will happily take. <laughs> have you ever been to Michigan? I have not. Uh. Once upon a time, a cheap horror movie production based there asked to use one of my photographs for a press release and got real shitty when I asked for money. Uh, that is my <laughs> only connection to that stuff. <laughs> oh, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you got to pay for art, right? Oh, man, these these guys are such dicks. Yeah. They, it was, uh, I'd taken pictures of all these bodybuilders at the Mr. Olympia competition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, no. Actually, after the uh, after the banquet, I probably told you this, or after the, the big event, there was a banquet. And uh, because I bought the VIP pass, I got to go. And it's got this, this huge spread of food, but all these, they're all on prep still because they've got other competitions to do. So they're just eating these tiny little plates of steamed vegetables and chicken like supermodels yeah and i walked past them with this huge bowl of ice cream <laughs> covered with chocolate sauce and cherries and uh oh man i got some dirty looks oh my god well um so rachel's first experience happened when she was just a baby so i guess you would say it's more her mother's memory than her own uh her mother was in the living room rocking her when a woman appeared to her the woman was wearing what her mother described as kind of old-fashioned clothes, and she felt as though the woman was there to look at her baby. So instead of being afraid, Rachel's mother held Rachel out for the woman to see, and she disappeared. That's actually kind of sweet. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, 
The next thing happened when she and her brother were, were in elementary school. Their parents worked until, you know, 3.34, so the kids would walk home together and be home alone for a little while. One particular day, Rachel and her brother were sitting in the TV room when suddenly an old radio in the living room came on full blast. That, that scared the living bejesus out of them. <laughs> yeah, it startled them all, right? Rachel turned it off, and then her brother and her booked it outside and stayed there until their parents got home. And that was the same living room where her mother had seen the ghost. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. We know a friend of mine grew up in Newfoundland um, and had a similar experience. They lived in a neighborhood that was, for some reason, called The Base. Right. And sometimes their stereo would turn itself on at top volume. Huh. I wonder what it is about stereos that lends them to that kind of thing. That's a good question. I mean, maybe the circuitry is easy to manipulate. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I know so little about electronics, I don't dare suggest anything else for fear of exposing <laughs> the true depths of my ignorance. That must be a new thing you're trying. Just get on <laughs> with the story. So the final thing happened not long ago. You get before. sassy when you've had sugar. <laughs> it's true. I'm totally whacked out on gummy bears. Um, so the final thing happened not long before she mailed us, which was earlier this month. Her son is staying with her while he goes to university. And one morning, while walking from the bathroom to the kitchen, she saw a shadow move down the hallway leading to his room. She thought he'd gotten up to use the bathroom, but realized she was in there and decided to head back to his room. She called out his name to let him know she was done in the bathroom, but he didn't reply. And when she opened the door to his room, she found him asleep. He hadn't moved at all. She has no idea what she saw, but she knows she saw something move and it wasn't her son. Creepy. Right? Especially in the morning before you have had any coffee. See, I avoid this problem by sleeping through the morning whenever possible. <laughs> oh, God. And you're one of those people who are like, there's an 8 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, yeah, two of those things? That seems wasteful. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to mention this, but I'm going to bring it up just because I think Rachel might find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, when I was working on this episode, yeah. I was, you know, sort of looking through her story. Mm-hmm. And I found myself wondering if her son was going to school in Ann Arbor because Ann Arbor is the big co- uh, university town in Michigan. Right. Yeah. At least the one I'm familiar with. This was... Uh, Saturday night. Right. So I was I was doing this, and I, I looked up Google Maps to see how far away Ann Arbor was from Battle Creek, and I saw it was about an hour and 15 minutes. And I was looking at the map on my television, and I had, you know how you describe having pictures shoved into the back of your head? Mm-hmm. It was like I had that, except the pictures I was getting were a winter road, a car driving on a road in the winter. The sky is the blue of an early winter evening. It's not dark, but it's blue. Yeah. The trees are bare. There's snow on either side of the road. And the car is going, it's going somewhere and wherever it's going at the end of it, there's a room, it's wood and there's maybe gold or brass. Right. And there's a sense that you're warm and safe and you don't have to be accountable to anyone or worry about your time. I got the sense of hours spreading out in front of you that you could control and, and nice. you, you had your own dominion over deciding how they were going to be spent. Hmm. And it really, it, it was bizarre. It actually threw my Saturday off because I just, I sat there for a full minute staring at the screen. I just couldn't function. I couldn't, I couldn't wow. get this out, this real sense of, uh, not longing, but it was almost like a longing. It's the sense of this other, the sense of otherness of being somewhere else. And I, I told you at lunch, you know, we, after this, it just, it, my whole night changed because mm-hmm. I, I was driving around and I kept having to convince myself of what year it was, which sounds nuts, but no, I, and I, get it. I knew it was 2017, Yeah. but I was driving around and I kept looking at things and especially up on Hillside, which you pointed out, um, it's is kind of the place the, for that kind of time bending thing yeah, going on. Yeah. I was on Hillside street, or sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm going up Shelbourne right by Hillside. I found myself looking at the mall and even though I could, I could see it through the trees, I had the sense in my head that it was much smaller mm-hmm. than it really is. Right. 
And for some reason, I felt like it was the 1980s. Well, and it's like that story about the two women who went to Versailles and found themselves caught up in uh, 100, 200 years ago right. um, and had that experience. And we have that same weird phenomena here in Victoria um, at the place where Brennan's talking about the whole- um, Right, they called the Shelbourne Vortex. Right. Which I always said was bullshit because it sounds like <laughs> such a like a dramatic story. It does, but I've heard it from like four actual people. Yeah. All with the same kind of theme, different experience, um, but always in that area and always the same kind of theme. It's really weird. Yeah, I, it, and there's a gas station across the road. They've got these new- pumps that are kind of, they got these red sort of neon looking things on the right. pumps. Yeah. And I found myself looking at that and that, for some reason, that disoriented me further because it just looked. Looked wrong. It looked wrong. It mm. didn't. And then I, I had to look at the 7-Eleven and say, no, no, the 7-Eleven has been there for a while. Right. Uh, or sorry, the 7-Eleven is new and, you know, it wasn't there, whatever you're thinking. And, but right. I kept having to look at things like find cars, find new cars and go, no, there's a new car. Wow. It's fine. Wow. It's 2017. Crazy. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was just a. That night was like the whole night was I, was expanding. I kept getting this mental image of of holes in the night like cheesecloth. Hmm. It was just a disorienting disorienting night, and that yeah, just researching that story kind of brought it back, uh, or so, sorry, started it off. I guess I should say. So Rachel has a couple more. Yes, right. So about a year after she and her husband got married, they were living in a two bedroom flat uh, with her office in the living room. Or that that means apartment. Yes, <laughs> and it was in the lounge, as the English insist on calling it. <laughs> Uh, one day she was working at her computer in the lounge. With her 240 volts. <laughs> yeah, and the weird square plug. The weird, where you can turn on and off at the plug level. Oh, yeah. That's, I think it's actually a great idea. It is a good idea. Yeah. But we don't do it. No, of course Man. not. So she was working at her computer when she saw what she thought was her husband walk from the living room into the bathroom. Right. He moved fast, but she caught that he was wearing a gray t-shirt, and she immediately started calling out questions to her husband. In the bathroom. <laughs> it drives me crazy when people talk to me through the bathroom door. Oh, God, God. No one in the history of the universe has said, you know what the best medium for having this conversation is? A solid chunk of wood. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, in Rachel's defense, she jokes about that. She said, the poor man knows no peace. <laughs> uh, that, so after he doesn't respond to a few of her questions, she starts getting kind of pissed. Or uh, I love how she puts it, because this is what Nick says too. She started getting shitty. Yes. And her tone reflected that. So imagine her surprise when her husband comes out of the bedroom, having never been anywhere near the bathroom. So what the hell had gone on in there? Nothing. It was empty. Oh, wow. Now, it made it extra creepy for her as she had just inherited some items. The story goes that her mother had a cousin named Graham who was quite fond of her. Right. And one day when Rachel was still a nursing baby, Graham and her mother had gone for coffee. Her mother went home to feed Rachel, and a little bit later, Graham turned up at the house with what Rachel calls an ugly-as-hell 70s print of a woman feeding a baby. <laughs> he had seen it in a junk shop on the way home and bought it for, uh, for her mom. Now, Graham suffered a violent death not long after, mm. and Rachel's mother found it too upsetting to look at, so the picture ended up with Graham's mother. Right. Well, when she turned 30, Rachel was finally given that picture because she was, you know, the baby who had been thought of when yeah. he saw it. Yeah. Well, that happened not 48 hours before seeing that gray man in her house. Oh, wow. So you think he was attached to it? I more think there's something to the emotional resonance of the gift finally ending up back with Rachel since she was the one nursing at the time. Right, right. Well, that's kind of adorable and horrifying at the same time. Yeah. Um, thank you to both Rachel from Battle Creek and Rachel GW for sharing your stories. We have one more contributor before we bring it home tonight, and that is Alexa. Now, you know Alexa personally, don't you? Uh, sort of. We follow each other on Instagram. We've exchanged a few messages, but we've never actually met. She's a meditation teacher from the Pacific Northwest who has an adorable cat named Olivier. Ugh. But I like cats. Oh, I'm not saying anything. Anyways, Alexa is American. Uh, no one's perfect. <laughs> but her stories are from right here in Victoria, a few blocks away from the studio. Cool. 
Uh, you remember in the last episode I told a story about standing in front of St. Anne's Academy on Humboldt Street? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you were standing there with a friend late at night and suddenly the police turned up because someone had called in saying a man and woman in front of St. Anne's were in trouble. That's it. Well, Alexa has had her own experiences right along that same wall. Oh, wow. According to her, several times while walking east along Humboldt on the St. Anne's side, yeah. she had heard someone walking next to her on the other side of the low wall that borders the grounds. She hears clothes rustling, feet in the grass, everything that would suggest someone is there. But when she gets to the main gate and looks around, not only is no one next to the wall, but no one's near it. Oh, wow. She says this happened multiple times in the years she's been visiting Victoria. Hmm. Another time, she and her husband were walking west along Humboldt, uh, so back towards town. Right. On the same side of the street around 9.30, 10 at night. She swore she could hear someone on the other side of the wall, this time not only walking, but singing. Huh. But when she peeked over the edge, again, no one there. Oh, that is so creepy. Yes. Uh, she also says that she's sensitive to the energy of places and that the Mount St. Mary's Hospital, which is just around the corner from the area, mm-hmm. has so much energy swirling around it, she sometimes worries it'll knock her off her feet. That whole corridor between St. Anne, St. Mary's, and St. Joseph's is all pretty weird. Interesting. Yeah. It's a weird... There's a little um, like restaurant in the hotel there, and it's kind of on the sidewalk, and I've sat there and had coffee before, but it just feels really unsettled. Oh, uh, in Fantastico. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It just feels unsettled. So I've been there a couple times, but yeah, it doesn't feel like a settled place. Yeah. Alexa also mentioned that Quadra, kind of down there mm-hmm. uh, by Humboldt, is really mm. just different. And yeah. I know I've definitely found that walking around you. Know, it's, it's just quiet. Yeah. It's a very quiet, which is nice. Yeah. But it's it's not a pure quiet. It's kind of a, a strange quiet. Absolutely. Did I ever tell you about the walking man? No, I don't think so. So uh, to our listeners who don't know the area, St. Anne's Academy is at the northern end of Beacon Hill Park, which is a 200-acre green space at the south end of the city. Uh, Southgate Street separates the academy grounds from the park, and sometimes at night, a friend of mine used to see a lean man dressed in denim loitering, and he would fall in behind her as she walked past, and she could hear his footsteps. But whenever she finally turned around, he was gone, like he was never there. Wow, you definitely had not told me that one. I mean, that's really interesting, because you know they moved burial cairns to make way for the park, right? I had heard that, and I mentioned it to my reply to Alexa, but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, no, they definitely did. Um, they had no idea what all the big rocks were for, and decided to start moving them was, you know, the way to go. God. <laughs> yeah. For a place to make such a big deal out of respecting the First Nations right to the land, people here sure destroy a lot of their sacred sites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that story you told me a couple episodes ago about construction crews on Bear Mountain accidentally dynamiting a burial site so they wouldn't have to bring in archaeologists and slow down the work schedule still shocks me. Well, we have a pretty proud heritage of this, apparently, Victoria, because um, when they were moving the burial cairns, they were pulling the bones out. Whenever they found them, they'd pull the bones out, and they were storing them in the... If you're facing the legislature, there's a building on the far, far left that's kind of attached by a walkway or portico. Yep. That was the original BC Museum, and they were storing all the human bones they found in the basement of that building... Yeah, and things were creepy, super creepy. So they eventually got the bones out of there, moved all these uh, government office workers in, but no one could stay in the building because they were so creeped out because they felt people were around them and people were following them. So they actually brought in some First Nations people to cleanse the building. They had to do it three times before. Wow. uh, Yeah, and even now it's still not 100%. So when they cleared away the stones, I stupidly thought they just moved the stones. I didn't realize they knew it was Cairns. Well, no, I don't think they knew it was Cairns, but once they found the bodies, they're like, oh, cool. And just started hauling the bones. Same with them when they were cutting down the trees, uh, the sacred groves that they used for sky burial. Yeah, a moral point there. Right. Um, And there were many around here. There were lots. Uh, The bones would fall out. And yeah, they'd burn them or throw them in the ocean. Jesus. But if they were feeling extra conservative, they would take them as souvenirs. They'd keep them in their parlors. Holy crap. Yeah. Not good. 
So don't be too shocked. We have a proud history of this in Victoria. That's crazy. Screwing over sacred burial sites. <laughs> Wasn't there, I seem to recall hearing a story about there also being Cairns moved along Beach Drive. Oh, okay. Just past uh, St. George Terrace or King George Terrace. Right. Have, you, have you heard anything about I that? I haven't heard about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I seem to, I recall hearing I that. I just heard a story from one guy who was telling me about they were building something in the 70s, uh, and he said they would find bones, and the uh, construction guy would go, cover them up, keep going. Really? Yeah, because they knew if they brought in an archaeologist or- ma- It's going to slow things right slow down. slow things down. So just cover it up and keep going. Shove it in your pocket, keep going. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, back in Revelstoke, the courthouse area right. is sort of the most densely haunted part of town. And I remember someone saying once, well, was it an Indian burial ground? I mean, I do tend to think people default to that because they've right. seen poltergeist too many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, there's some truth to that. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, there's nothing on the record to suggest that. Right. However, and I mentioned this in the book, it, it's entirely possible that, you know, being that the courthouse was built in 1912, if they did find anything, yeah. they were just chucked away. Absolutely. No mention was made of it, nope. no record made, just- nope. Forget it and keep no. going, boys. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm glad Alexa brought that stuff up because, yeah, it's still going on. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, thank you, Alexa, for sending us those. I always love hearing about lesser-known hauntings here. Mm-hmm. And what better way to finish our listener show with a story from here in town? Absolutely. It's especially nice for me given how many local stories I've already heard during the Ghost Walks. New stuff is definitely welcome. Yeah. I love the stories from all over the place. I also love the stories from right here. And I really love how spread out our audience is because that is what makes us amazing. This show amazing because we've got so many people everywhere listening. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love it. And we also had some L.A.-based stories from Casey. But we're going to hang on to those for an LA-centric episode coming nice. up sometime before the end of the year. Nice. It's uh, going on the whiteboard, you could say. <laughs> what else do we have up there? Uh, Skidwalker Ranch, uh-huh. Lizzie Borden House. Right. Uh, fairies. Yep. Uh, a couple authors I'd like to have on. Right. And there was another one. I I'm, I, I lost it. There was a particular thing. I, I, some kind of folk phenomenon I wanted to get into, but it's escaped me. Okay. Uh, but I don't want to promise too much because what seems to happen is I get really hyped about a particular subject, <laughs> add it to the top of the whiteboard, <laughs> then lose interest after I research it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch was like that. I was so go on Skinwalker yeah. Ranch. And then you're like, eh. And I read more about it and I thought, eh, I think a lot of this is nonsense. Well, you know what? I'm calling that the Prevalia syndrome from now on. Yeah. Because that is exactly what happened. We had this, what we thought was this great, you know, island haunting, blah, blah. And then you get into it and it's like, eh, not so much. It's more of a creation than an actual phenomenon. Yeah. So I'm calling that Prevalia syndrome from now on. That's that's you. <laughs> I love that you keep mispronouncing it. I'm going to say Prevalia. I know. I know. Forever. I just, Los Angeles is definitely locked in because awesome. I love LA. Yeah. Uh, and I, one day, one day I do want to write a book about haunting in LA. It's already been done. I know. <laughs> I know. That's what my publisher said too. So thank you. Oh, ouch. Yes. Yeah. Well, and mine will be better, uh, but yeah. Naturally. Uh, but Los Angeles is locked in, and uh, thank you, Casey, for getting us started. Definitely. What else do we have in the mailbag this week? Oh, um, Kathy from Maryland wrote in to say we offer a great escape at the end of a long day of work. Yay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for letting us know, Kathy. Uh, Rin also wrote in to say she was looking forward to episode 20. Thank you, Rin. I hope it lives up to your expectations. <laughs> We had a fun email from Sawyer, who is a fellow Canadian, who says she enjoys hearing stories from places she knows well. It's also her who is tangentially responsible for this being called Ultra Mega. How's that? Well, the band White Zombie came up in her email, and that inspired me to pull out my copy of Electrohead Part 1, which then inspired me to dig out my copy of Rob Zombie's Sinister Urge album, because of course White Zombie was Rob Zombie's band before he went solo. Okay. Uh, That inspired me to dust off my Power Man 5000 CDs, because Spider-1 is Zombie's younger brother. (laughs) Don't look at me like that. (laughs) 
I saw them play at the rickshaw in Vancouver a couple of years ago, and it was an incredible show. Okay. Made even better by the fact that the tickets are 25 bucks. Wow. Those guys didn't have to try, but they absolutely killed it. One of my favorite shows in recent years. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, we also had a lovely email from Deborah detailing some vivid dreams for our dreams episode. That is still happening, right? Because we've been talking about That's the one I couldn't remember, yes. Oh, That is on the whiteboard. Nice. And also from Pete from Azusa, California, he uh, sent me a message and says how much he enjoys our show and waits for it every two weeks. So that's pretty cool. Oh, thank you, Pete. Yeah. And speaking of Pete... Peter uh, Peter B. He we I ran into him at your event in uh, Fernwood Community Center. Yeah, and he's been very cool sending us messages. Absolutely, nice. appreciate that, Peter. Before we move on, yes, I just want to say thanks again to everybody who wrote in with their stories. Melanie J, Rachel G W, Rachel from Battle Creek, Lori, Alexa, and Casey. We always say this, but it's doubly true for this episode. We literally could not have done this without you. Yeah, it is so true. And uh, before we move on to the the big draw, the big draw. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you this one thing that happened at the Shannon Sin signing at Bowling Books last week. Right. So I was standing in the back with uh, Tori from Touchwood, yeah. and this old man, because obviously the signing happens while the place is still yeah. open, Yeah. this old man comes over, and apparently he thought, oh, there's a crowd of people here listening to someone talk. Now is the time to browse for novelty socks on this oh creaky metal rack. Are you serious? Yep. And he just starts... Turning this creaky, <laughs> so Shannon's up there talking. You know the hauntings of Vancouver Creek. <laughs> really? Thanks, old man. And he didn't f-ing buy anything. That's the other thing. He, he just. Oh yeah. No, I, I've died. I've I've been a nuisance for the day. You know my work here is done. My work here is done. It's a book signing for you. Oh god. Yeah. It's always fun interacting with the public. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. Speaking of listeners, it's time for our big draw. So it's time for our big draw. Yes. So we have the names written on slips of paper and placed in Brennan's hat. Did you want to draw the first one? By all means, you do it. Okay. Bingo must be in the front row. First name is Julie. Excellent. Uh, Julie is. Well, let's have a look here. Uh, Julie's from Victoria. Oh, okay. So that's going to make uh, postage easy. Yeah, very I, easy. It kind of feels like a cop-out. I think we should do three shirts. Give away three shirts. So you think the further they are away, the better it is? I, I don't know. It feels like dirty pool to just, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, let's pull another name. All right. I will do this one. Okay. Bingo. Must be in the front row. James. There you uh, go. Now, I'm have a quick look here. I have no idea where James lives, but um, none of the pictures look like Victoria, so... <laughs> good enough. Good enough. <laughs> All right. And I will let you do the third and final one. The bonus shirt? The bonus round. All right. Ready? Ready. Bingo must be in the front row. Uh, Elliot. Uh, Elliot. Yay for you. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, I, I don't know Elliot at all, but he follows we follow each other on Instagram. Now, the only thing is, I now we, we should admit, when we concepted this giveaway, yeah. uh, it did not occur to us that people's privacy settings right. would keep us from viewing specifically who had shared. Right. So the number of shares matches the number of likes, so I'm assuming everyone who liked the post also shared. Right. Um, if you didn't, just don't tell me. <laughs> just, don't, just don't tell me because I don't want to have to do all this crap again. No. Um, so, congratulations to Julie, James, um, and Elliot. Elliot. And uh, we will be in touch via Facebook to uh, get your details, see which which color and size shirt you want. Perfect. And get mailing addresses. Nice. All right. So, yeah. We have to order the shirts from Threadless uh, before we can reship them to you. So, it may be a few weeks before they get to you, but 
you will get them, I promise. Absolutely. I've ordered from the Threadless store before and can guarantee you it'll be a few weeks. Okay. But the shirts are great quality and I think you'll be happy with them. Yeah. So thanks again to everybody who liked and shared episode 19. You helped make it our fastest growing episode so far. Yes. Thank you all so much. We've only been doing this for nine months, so it's pretty incredible. Especially to us, that we have an audience at all, uh, especially one who is so active and enthusiastic. Yeah, it, it really is. It's strange, because it's just me and me and Ian in a room. Well, and nothing has changed. No, that's it. Since the very first, uh, other than better mics, yeah. since the very first time we sat down to do this, literally nothing has changed. No. But, so why would we think anyone would be listening? Yeah, but <laughs> but apparently they are, so. God bless them. Thank you very much. No kidding. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, the only thing is, uh, later on today, our... Yeah, Tuesday, um, Halloween. I'm going to be on CFAX local radio. Oh, of course. Yep. From 9 until 10, telling ghost stories and having listeners call in with their ghost stories. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so that'd be all right. Um, what about you? Do you have anything going on? Uh, I have a spot coming up with Pair Abnormal Radio on Saturday, November 4th. <laughs> I know. It, do they like, is it like an exercise group where they work <laughs> on their abs? And that's I most. hope not because I am not going to be able to help them. <laughs> I you am. have abs. They're just. They're buried. Buried. Yes. Deep, Thank like you. Mine, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so anyways, I'll, it'll be Saturday, November 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Nice. Uh, as far as I know, I'll be the first half of the program with Stanton Friedman on the back half. Uh, essentially, I'm warming the crowd up for Stanton, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. That's awesome. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> but you seem impressed, so that's great. Yeah, he's a very well-known old-school ufologist. I think he's also a retired nuclear physicist. Oh, that's why I don't know, because I don't care about UFOs. Oh, there you go. And Ooh. I just alienated half our audience. Ian's hot take on UFOs. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, there's something about you being on any show, either before or after nuclear physicists, that I find <laughs> vaguely disturbing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, apart from that, I think, right, I'm going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota for a wedding from November 24th to 29th. Nice. So if any of our listeners have suggestions for food I need to try or haunted places to check out, please <laughs> let me know. Uh, or if you're local. In that order. Yeah, well, yeah, hey, come on. Priorities. <laughs> It's, it's going to be winter. I don't want to drive around for nothing. Winter in Minneapolis. Yeah, I know. They have Uber, thank God. Yeah. I was going to rent a car, then I thought, oh, they have Uber? Screw that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're local to the area and you want to get a drink, I may have some free time on either side of the wedding, so if I can make it happen, I will. Uh, and that's pretty much it for now. Cool. And what about your radio program? How's that going? The draft copy of my first show has been finished and sent to the station director for approval. Nice. So I'm waiting on that. Nice. I'll probably have to do a little bit more recording before it can go live, but I've found a format I'm happy with, and I'm, I'm excited to get started. That is really cool. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you can rate podcasts. And keep sharing. Like we said, all the shares on Shannon's episode really help get the word out, and we'd love to keep that momentum going. Yes. Uh, thanks, as always, to Bizanta Music for our bumpers and theme music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash music. And did I tell you he's coming to visit? No, seriously. Yeah, in the spring. Him and his wife are coming over for about six days. That's really cool that he's coming for a visit. Yeah, yeah. We got to figure out all the visa stuff because they do have to apply for certain visas. Um, but yeah, so that should be They want to do lots of walking and hiking and, or not hiking, but walking. Ooh, and, hiking, yeah, gross. Yeah. Boy, are they picking the wrong guy. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, so anyways, it, it'll be exciting and uh, hopefully uh, we can get everything worked out. Well, and please keep writing in. We'd love to make listener stories a regular part of our main show. It is awesome. They have the best stories. So please keep them coming. We love hearing from you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we have keep tossing around the idea of a weekly show as well. Uh, you know, like a mini episode or something that we would probably record on the same day as we record the larger episode. Right. Uh, and maybe at some point, if we get enough listener tales, that that can be part of that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So, you know, it's... 
you know, we, we've had people ask us to be to do a weekly show, and a weekly hour-long show is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a job. <laughs> yeah. And I have things to do. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, again, that's not going to happen, but the mini-episode thing is a real possibility. Cool. And so, uh, again, keep writing in, and maybe we can make that work. Mm-hmm. Make that work. Uh, our YouTube channel is finally live as well, so Woo-hoo. you can hear all the original music we have on the show without having to listen to a whole episode get at it. And to be clear, what counts as original music? Uh, everything Peter writes for us. So the theme song and a bunch of bumpers. Awesome. And how can people find that? Just, Just look for the Ghost Story guys on YouTube? Yeah, exactly. And I'll put a link in the show notes too. Perfect. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. We will return with a new show in two weeks' time. Until then, happy Halloween, and back into the darkness we go. Yeah, it's all in the inflection. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Because I'm a genius <clears throat> god among men and women, but for different reasons. <laughs> because I'm good at listening. No, stop. Yes. <laughs> because I can identify my feelings. That's right. Yeah, I think that's very valuable, actually. <laughs> that's done very well for me. Thank you. Come over here, you son of a bitch. I, did, I honestly, I was thinking it. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I didn't even realize I'd said it. <laughs> You're a dirty perv without even realizing it. <laughs> oh, f- me. Okay. That's funny. I've had one meal today. <laughs> one meal plus <laughs> stimulants. What can go wrong? Anyways. <laughs> Jeez. You're like an old horse over there. <laughs> Let me try that again. Yeah. Stumbled over that one. Full disclosure. I picked up one of the sour keys from the bowl. I mean, I don't really like sour keys. And so I you licked it and put it back? Well, I had licked it, and I'm like, uh, will you notice if I just put this back in the bowl? <laughs> we can sacrifice the sour keys. <laughs> I, I ate it. I ate it. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not that big a monster. It was tempting, though. I thought <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, like, I'll do it. <laughs> it's just, you got to be so careful. <laughs> yeah, so you learned something You learned today. that. Yeah, I have learned something <laughs> <today>. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I wanted to learn. <laughs> okay I'm leaving that in <laughs> The power of editing I hold your life in the palm of my hand Uh huh <laughs> Joking on the lines I, I thought we'd just look at the li- Okay fine <sighs> Bitch <laughs> I'm just imagining Superman versus Doomsday <laughs> Glitter <laughs> A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.